There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today <laughs> Well, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 205 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is still Timitra, and I am still in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And I've also got Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line from Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Okie dokie. All right. Can't not say all righty. <laughs> all right, so I guess we'll dive into some Ask MTJC. So, Jaime, do you have any Ask MTJC? Yeah, I think this is a follow-up to us talking about the touch bar. So, friend of the show and sometimes co-host Greg Heo says, Tim, uh, uh, touch bar tips for brightness and volume, if you didn't know. You can yeah. uh, tap and hold the button, then you can drag left and right to sort of scrub through, uh, rather than doing, I don't know, I don't have one of those, I'm guessing it's probably well, so, like a step yeah, function Yeah, just before. a bit of context here, what I what I had said on the show was it's like two taps to get to, so you, so the way I've been doing it is you've got, when you, what you see is you see like a, a volume control, like a little speaker, and then you have the mute, unmute button, or unmute icon, and so I've been, you tap the, the, the speaker icon, and then, then the scrubber appears, right? So I had said that it takes two taps because I tap once to, to, to reveal the scrubber and then I have to go and scrub. And to me, that was two clicks. But what Greg's shortcut here is saying, tap the speaker, but hold it. And then it be, turns into the scrubber and then you can sw- swing your finger back and forth. So that's super handy. I haven't tried it yet, but that's thanks, Greg, for that one. So continue. Right. And, and apparently you can also do a quick left or right flick on the button to change stepwise. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Another friend of the show, Jesse Catterwell, replied, holy moly. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. And there's even more text, more conversation. Yeah. Most most of the time, I mentioned on on the on the show that most of the time my um, sound on my Mac, we are we have a quiet zone office kind of thing, right? and nobody has their phones turned on, like ringers turned on, or all of our computers, whether it's PC or Mac, there's no audible sounds, um, and you kind of really notice it when somebody forgets to turn their phone off or whatever, and you hear like rings and alerts and stuff. But yeah, so but but if I plug in to use my Jabber, you know, uh, telephone client, you know, I have to remember to turn the volume, turn the sound back.
back on again. So kind of annoying. Anyway, but it's super handy tips. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I haven't tried it out, but I'll, I'll give that a spin as well. Do we have any more SKMTJC? I didn't see any. Was was there another one that just came in? Uh, no, I just I thought there were two. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, he's just yelling, going back. To, going <laughs> yeah, back the other one just rolls into uh, discussions about uh, Canadian geography. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he's right. I had said I'd, I'd mistakenly thought that Northwest Territories was butted up against Alaska, but in fact, it's uh, Yukon Territory that's butted up against Alaska, which is what Greg was reminding me of. But as I said last, I left geography class 40 years ago, and I'm not really looking back. All right, well, let's move on to some fact checks. So I had mentioned, uh, uh, I wasn't sure how big Rogers Center was. I was talking about the Foo Fighters in the after show. Um, and apparently Rogers Center seats up to 55,000 people. So depending on the configuration of the concert or whatever, they can they can seat you know 10,000 people up to 50, 55,000 people. So they had, you know, the, I don't know if you guys, you've probably watched baseball games at, at, at the Rogers Center for the Blue Jays. So the, the, they usually set the um, the stage at center field, if you will. So they usually black, and where the jumb- Jumbotron is. And so they black all that out and cover it all up and put the stage in front. So they don't sell the seats directly behind, like sort of on an angle behind the stage because there would be nothing to see. Um, so I would say it's not quite 55,000, but I would probably put it maybe at 40,000 people were in that audience. So quite, quite a big audience. Um, and then as well, at, at around one twelve of last week's pro- podcast, I mentioned uh, about Flixel. And um, I just uh, asked Mark to give Mark Pavlidis to give me uh, some uh, a shout out if there's anything incorrect or whatever. He said there's nothing really, uh, you know, scathingly wrong with what I said, except they don't have four pricing plans. They only have three. Um, and uh, he said that uh, the the file sharing system I talked about is actually they use it. They use iCloud actually for that, and it's allow it allows them to share um, files between the two uh, systems and to embed cinemagraphs, uh, make it easier for them to share and embed cinemagraphs uh, through the iCloud system. But they call it Flixel Cloud. So oh uh, oh sorry, they have a service called they they do the sharing between the platforms with iCloud. And they do the the, uh, the sharing with out people outside of the uh, iOS and macOS uh, sphere using their their product called Flixel Cloud. Right. And the, another um, fact check was I was talking about Braille uh, last week, I think, and uh, or two weeks ago. Last week was it? Last week we were talking about Braille, and I mentioned that there are dots on the Canadian uh, uh, bills, mm-hmm. and I was I thought they were they're Braille essentially, where they're, they're the equivalent of Braille, but they're not actually Braille. Like they don't mean a hundred dollars or five dollars or twenty dollars, but uh, they have a series of of uh, dots on the bill, which I hadn't really noticed, to be honest with you. So, like, if it has one set of dots, then it's a $5 bill. Uh, if two is $10 bill, three three sets of dots is 20 you know, four for $50 bill, and, and two separated by a smooth surface is um, how they denote a $100 bill. So, and in the video that's all linked in the show notes here, there's a little there's a little device that you can feed the bill through, and it'll, and it'll read the dots, I guess, and, and speak to the person what, uh, what the denomination is. So, cool stuff just how we i don't know i don't know if you guys have anything like that on your do you have new you have new american bills coming out soon don't you or reissuing them they changed the designs a few years back uh but no uh no bumps on them right right yeah and i I thought it was pretty interesting that they determined that you know braille while good uh wasn't quite appropriate for all of the people who have sight problems because not everybody knows braille so they came up with a system that seems pretty sensible except i'm a little unclear like i'd like to see a picture of the hundred to see what the difference is because it looks like the description makes it sound like you could confuse it for a ten dollar bill but i'm sure they did a good enough job you know making sure that it's very easy to tell the difference Um, yeah 
Uh, well, it says separated. But well, I mean, our our bills are not polymer, so they're very sort of slick, you know. So uh, it's probably it probably does feel different. I mean, you know, if you're not sighted, you can uh, or you have vision problems, you'll probably be quite good at feeling things with your fingers, right? Um, interesting stuff in in the screenshot that they've got here. I don't know if you looked at the notes here, but there's on our twenty dollar bill. There's a I'm gonna I'm doing air quotes here. Maple leaf. Um, but the funny thing is that's not a maple leaf on the bill. I don't know why they chose that that particular uh, leaf, but I believe it's a Norwegian maple or something like that, or, or uh, which is actually a weed. So just funny that they've, they've haven't changed that artwork. So I guess the the tree people can let us know. But a friend of mine who is an arborist was just telling me that it's actually a Norwegian Norwegian maple, not a maple leaf on the bill. It, I'm sure it must be some sort of anti theft sort of thing that oh that it they is try yeah, to yeah compromise yeah. on because it kind of looks like bullet holes now that I see a whole bunch of them next to each other. Well, like this the, is a this is a this is like you know it's actually the reflective material and there's like a sort of hologram in the middle there right so there's a bunch of you know like you said theft deterrent deterrent systems on there our new bills have like a strip where it's actually clear you can see right through the bill and there's like a hologram lasered onto it so you can hold it up to the light and check it for to make it make sure it's authentic. All, you know they try and do all these things to make make it harder for um, counterfeiters. But uh, I don't believe that they've ever found a, a system either in American money or Canadian money that's completely foolproof. No, no, I don't. I, I, there's always a, a cat and mouse game on that. And maybe the last thing I'll ask here. So I didn't know that there was like a physical reader for people that could do that. Are there any apps that help people? I mean, it, of course, your your mileage may vary, and maybe it's fooling you into think you're your five dollars or a hundred dollars and that sort of thing but is there anything out there in the app store that people do you know what there use? is there's an app and and uh, f- a friend of mine um i'm drawing a blank of what his name is Ugh. um so one of the guys one of the editors on um the way we're like um but he was he tweeted out a couple of weeks ago that that he like he there's a, a i guess in the app you can tweet out saying i helped uh, a site a problem with vision person a blind person or a person with sight problems there's an app called c for me or something like that and um we talked about it on the show like back in the early early days of our show and um it's uh, a, fl- a blind person can go and take a picture of something with their phone or they can i guess they use the camera on their phone and then you as their as their eyes look at the the image that's that's broadcast to you like i guess through like a screen sharing kind of thing or a facetime kind of thing and you can tell them what they're looking at so that's that's kind of a cool app for for helping uh the blind to see as it were you've not heard of that app or you don't remember talking about that i think there was one it's like be my eyes be but my eyes, yeah, yeah. Let me just yeah. see if got it. It wasn't wasn't that long ago. Let me see if I can find them on my phone. No, but I was thinking more of like a I don't know, like a machine learning based one, for example. Oh, true, like, hey, yeah. a twenty dollar bill looks pretty much like a twenty dollar bill. You know, if you can get the thing mostly in frame. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically you could you could get a piece of polymer and stamp some dots in it and hand it to, to an unsighted person and say, here's your twenty dollar bill, and it, in fact is just a piece of polymer with some dots in it, right? That would be pretty mean. That would be pretty mean, but I'm sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty mean. Let's leave it there. Yeah, I think it's be my eyes. You're right. Rolling, scrolling, scrolling. I like too many things on fit on Twitter. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I mean, oh, by the way, the, uh, while veggie grill in Seattle. <laughs> veggie grill. It sounds familiar. I think you might have it by some of the Amazon buildings. Let me let me look them up online. Because I think they do also have the uh, either Beyond Meat or Impossible Burger. Let's see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the closest one? Okay, yeah. There's definitely some, and it's not like I've definitely been there before, but uh, a few years ago, long before they had the Impossible Burger. So. 
apparently need to make a trip down there again to try it out. Uh, it looks like it's Beyond Burger because they call it the VG Beyond Burger. Yep, Beyond Meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I mean, I did my best to try to cook it, but it's weird because it, it comes as you know a pink patty like a burger, but it doesn't it doesn't cook the same way a normal burger does. It's like three minutes per side is what they say. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's, know, it's like long? it's obviously still going to be pink, right? Isn't like oh well, you know, how pink do you want this burger to be? Then you can just sort of judge it based on you know decades of history now, you know, personal history cooking burgers. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I did a good job cooking it, but I, I didn't do too bad following the instructions. Wow. You know, these things may be vegetarian, but they're not necessarily particularly healthy. In terms uh, of calories? Uh, 620 calories, 37 grams of fat, of which 13 grams are saturated fat, 1,420 milligrams of sodium, and 49 carbs. Let's see what happens if you take the We're meat. all going to die. We're all going to die. And it's not the cheese. It's the special sauce. Uh, oh, the bun's a lot of it, which is not surprising, I guess. Well, it's funny, you know, at NW, they say it's not truly vegetarian unless you unless you don't get the mayonnaise on it, right? Because it has yeah. egg in it. Right, yeah. Although, I'm sure, I know a lot of vegetarians who eat, who still eat eggs, because they're not officially chickens, right? It's complicated. Those are ovo-vegetarians. Is that what they are? Yeah, and then there's people who will make exceptions for fish, uh, pes- like pescatarians, and probably all sorts of combinations. All right, I can't find this guy. Boom. All right, moving on. Where were we? Yeah, so that was our follow-up. Thanks, Craig. All right, so... Oh, <laughs> you found a link here on the about the maple leaf? Mm-hmm. That was Mark? That was me. Yeah, maple leaf. Can I put the wrong leaf on maple leaf? So the representative leaf. from so Bank of right. Canada says it's not a Norway maple leaf. It's just a stylized version of the regular Canadian maple leaf. Oh, the regular Canadian one. The, okay. They call it a sugar sure. maple leaf. Is that what it's actually called? Possibly. I guess we'll have to... I have a friend who makes honey, or not honey, a maple syrup, so I can ask them. Thanks. See it on the hundred dollar bill there too, Jaime. But I can't see the dots. Oh, I see the dots. Yeah, there's a picture of the hundred dollar bill there, Jaime. Let me see. There's a nice close up picture to see. Yeah, so uh, the C in Canada has a, has the six dots, and then just above this uh, dude on the looks like Sir Robert Borden, Prime Minister. I can't read the dates, but yeah, under, above Robert Borden, Borden's head, there's a couple of uh, things there. Oh, I, I see. I see. Oh, right. So when they said it's a further distance, they meant it's not even close to the same yeah. distance as the ten. So they, they right. thought about that. Far away. Yeah, it's like ten with a bunch of zeros, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The negative space, and you see the part like the. The the part on the just about the right hand very right hand side you see the, how the prime minister's face is reflected again there that's the part that's like a picture of the hologram that, that you would get in the in the clear part right so right. depending on where you how how you hold it in the light it, it uh, reflects up or not but I think the coolest thing about our money is that the um, five dollar bill has the Canada arm on it and. Um, supposedly Chris Hatfield as the uh, astronaut there. Oh, you can see the the Queen's face on the the $20 bill that they're holding there in the picture. You see, like, the parliament top of our parliament building, and then you see the Queen's face. That's in the hologram. Right. But your $5 yeah. bill can no longer be turned into the Spock 5, right? No, it's true. It's that not the same guy. Or not the same picture, at least. Yeah, different. It was, it's John A. Macdonald, but, who was our first prime minister. But, um, yeah, there was a <laughs> classic, uh, classic trick people used to do by turning it into Mr. Spock. <laughs> Just drawing on his face. There's a way to do the Queen's bum on all of our bills, too, but I, we won't get into that one. I'll just leave it to your imaginations. All right. So, Hamid, you got some follow-up here about the Mac Pro keyboard, which you were all worried about. Yeah. So, despite Apple's you know silence and claims to the contrary, depending on, on who's doing the asking, that the the new keyboard design was you know with the new membrane underneath each key. Oh, that's just you know for sound. A lot of people are saying, mm, you know, that's a nice benefit, a nice side benefit that it reduces sound. But apparently, uh, 
some documents for that were sent to Apple authorized service providers and obtained by Mac rumors right. um, explicitly say the keyboard has a membrane under the keycaps to prevent debris from entering the butterfly mechanism. Oh, and right. here are the changes for you know the sorts of repairs that you need to do. Well, I've heard people say that the keyboard is loud. I don't know if you've heard that. It's not quite as clacky as, as Greg's you know intentionally clacky keyboard. But uh, when you hear people hammering away on them, they, they don't move very very far. So it's it, but people still sort of t- tend to type with the same pressure. Right. They are quite loud, so I assume that would be a, it. Would do have a certain sound buffering effect to it, but yeah, definitely. I think this is a, this is like a condom, as some people are calling it, right? Keyboard condom. I don't see why this is a bad thing. I mean, Apple has acknowledged that this is a real problem, so if they actually sure. came up with a fix, why why are they trying to hide it? That's I don't understand that. Why is Apple trying to hide it, yeah. or why are people bashing Apple? Well, so why is Apple trying to hide it? People are bashing Apple because it seems like Apple's lying about it, right? Or not maybe not lying, mm. but not being fully forthcoming about it. But I, and I don't right. understand why Apple is not being more forthcoming unless, I don't know, maybe they think that maybe they don't want to acknowledge the problem is as big as it is, or maybe they, they right. want to you know, maybe they want to stave off people thinking that they only made a halfway solution or something. I don't know. Right. But it seems yeah, like liability concerns. nothing. True. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they seem to uh, I mean, Apple always sort of they, they, try, they, they do tend to try and keep their cards close to their chest, right? True. In a lot of cases, so. And maybe maybe by admitting there was a problem, then they, they open themselves up to, to a class yeah, it's, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know, if you don't, if you don't, you know, wait for the lawyers to admit that it's you know, real in court or something like that when it when it actually matters. Maybe yeah. I'm hypothesizing. I have no idea. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I felt better when I read that. You know, I'd still like to see people yeah. <laughs> shove it into the ground at, at the beach and, and see if it still works. Yeah. Um, well, some dude had put uh, cheesies on top of his keyboard, and the comment I saw when he posted the picture online was somebody said, "Close the lid." Yeah. You yeah. you can't have whole <laughs> Cheetos like the not enough dust comes off of it you know naturally it's, it's yeah, not like yeah. tinkerbell where like she's just letting the the fairy dust fall off her body yeah and crunch those so that made me feel better and then like a day later something made me feel worse about it <laughs> let's see if i can recap what happened here so somebody was doing testing on um the various versions of the macbook pro so remember we talked about the difference between the core i7 and the core i9 and people say hey wait a minute like this thing heats up pretty fast and uh, the core i9 ends up throttling itself because of the heat and it actually is slower than the i7 once it starts firing really you know, yeah doing heavy processing and they said mm, well let's shove it in a freezer and see if we can keep it going for longer and yep sure enough it performed better for longer until it got hot enough and then it starts throttling itself Right. So people were, you know, on the interwebs as they do, they were like mass conspiracy, like, oh no, this is like a huge problem. Apple can't possibly fix this. It's it's doom, doom, doom. Right. And then Apple's like, oh, uh, turns out we forgot a key in some of the firmware. Uh, right. We've included that key, and some people have verified that. Yep, it sure does fix the problem after all. So it was, yeah. a, it was a lot of uh, a lot of storm online. A lot of people probably eating some uh, some claim chowder and and some crow. But uh, still, still people persist and, and believe like, well, you know, all they did was like make it so that it doesn't shut itself down. It's probably still unsafe in some way. So I'm still kind of unsure as to how I feel about it. But I wasn't going to buy nine nine anyway, so I'm yeah, still feeling yeah. pretty good now. Well, there was a, I posted a link here from uh, Instagram, uh, Rene Richie who's got a new podcast called Vector uh, put up put, put, posted a quick like one minute video on um, on Instagram and he's got the the statement from Apple overlaid like the like the what do you call it the scroll in Star Wars you know where it's kind of flying into the into the video uh, and he talks about the fact that yeah they, they've they've discovered that they they missed a piece in the firmware and again which comes back to quality control again doesn't it yeah but but uh, yeah they missed this piece and, and uh, sure enough 
stuff. Uh, they've made a statement saying they've, they've fixed it in this latest, I guess, as a, a patch to, what are we at, uh, 10.3.5, right? So 10.3.6. Is it 10.3.6, the patch? Yeah. No, we're, uh, we were already on 10.3.6, so the patch would be... Well, were we? Sorry, 10.13.6. 13.6, yeah, 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 yeah. That was before the patch, I think. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm only on 10.13.5 right here at home, and same at uh, my machines at work. But anywho, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm glad they fixed it, but yeah, <laughs> it's unclear if they didn't test it going out or as other people surmise that QA had occurred and then, you know, there's always somebody who wants to sneak in one last pull request yep. before things yep. go to production despite people saying, no, please don't do that at 5 p.m. on a Friday. Yeah. Oh, hey, well, yeah, let me fix this too while I'm at it, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it always goes wrong. Never, never ever do the one last fix thing unless you have the proper procedures around because then stuff like this happens, even if you're uh, an almost trillion dollar company. Um, just, just follow your procedures, folks. That's true. You know, it's funny. This goes all the way back to my my second Mac. Um, my first Mac was a Mac 2 CX. My second was I bought a brand new Mac 2 FX, state-of-the-art computer, and I bought the fancy 824GC graphic accelerated video card for my 13-inch monitor and all that kind of stuff. And everything worked fine except for Adobe Illustrator wouldn't preview color previews, right, which is a, a mode that used to do switch between drawing and previewing back in those early, early days. You would get basically a white screen, and it turned out that there was a, a patch for the card missing. And this is going back to like 1990, I think. So it's not like the first time Apple's released a product that had a problem, <laughs> you know. And I'm sure they they released ones before that too, right? And they're pretty quick to get a patch out as well. But yeah, it's gonna happen. It's happened before. It's gonna happen again. All right. Um, yeah, so I've, I just speaking of more problems from Apple. Apparently, the app, the T2 chip, which is used in the, um, it's in the Mac Pro, iMac Pro, and I think it's going to be in. The, it's in some of the new uh, 2018 MacBook Pros, um, and uh, yeah, iMac Pro. It, it's the chip that controls the um, the touch bar and the Touch ID. Apparently, uh, it's been causing crashing problems for certain people, and uh, that's so that's another issue that people are reporting online about this. So there's a link here in the show notes don't know what it's from today maybe yeah, yeah that one was was fairly recent that people started talking about at least in relation to the 2018 macbook pro so it was very it was a very dramatic week this week for, for the 2018 macbook pro um i don't i don't i don't think i've seen as much about people chiming in on this one so i'm hoping that it's and this is baseless speculation i'm hoping that it's some sort of um variability problem in the manufacturing of the t2 chips where vast majority of them are perfectly fine but then there's some of them that have some slight, you know, slightly out of spec in some way, and it causes crashes when it doesn't, you know, link up with everything properly in the integrated system. Right, right, yeah. Because if it was a fundamental flaw, I think you'd see more people. Um, certainly with, with the iMac Pros, people would have jumped on it, you know, because it's been out for months, right? Uh, it certainly gets more attention because of the, the issues um, with the 2018 MacBook Pro that have subsequently been resolved. Uh, it's one to keep an eye on, but I, I, I'm guessing that it's probably more like you've got yield problems they'll figure out like oh here's the part of the process that needs to be changed and then probably hardly anybody will even see this yeah that's that's kind of best case worst case is they have to do a uh, design spin on the chip and then that will take a long time and well really? it'll cost a lot of money for apple but well for them it's, it's a drop in the bucket but yeah to make a new uh, a new mask set for these things i mean it's you know with with the advanced technologies just to make the set of masks that, that you use to manufacture the chips is 
like at least a million bucks just to make the masks. Uh, and then you have to run it through the fab, which will take, you know, several months to uh, to get them in production. So yeah, this it would be a big problem if it's really a chip issue. If it is a if it mm. is just a, a process tweak, then you know, yeah, that could be that could cause like a thermal issue or something uh, where you know you're getting too much current running through one spot and and so it heats up and then shuts down. That possibly you could fix just by tweaking the uh, the manufacturing process. So hopefully it's just that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A million dollars sounds like a lot, but then I'm like, well, for a nearly trillion dollar company. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm like, well, if I was Tim Cook, I'd be like, <laughs> instead of wallpaper, guess what I'm putting on my walls? I'm putting these million dollar, <laughs> right? These million dollar masks <laughs> on my wall. <laughs> or you'll tile, you tile his uh, bathroom in T2 chips, huh? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, all right. Uh, I doubt he'd do that. All right. Um, okay. So, Hami, I got another one here about uh, Twitter. Yeah. If, if people are you know shaking their fists and, and tired of being angry at Apple, that can make you angry at Twitter. Um, <laughs> apparently, they're uh, adding new developer requirements to their, their platform. Um, as many of the folks who still continue to make Twitter clients are aware, this is kind of something that came out of the blue. I, I believe it's coming from a relatively good place, even if it was, in my opinion, handled kind of clunky and that Apple... Sorry, Twitter is really trying to crack down on spam and fake news and scams right. and all these other things, right? Like to the point where they've shut down millions upon millions of accounts that they verify uh, that they believe to be bots, for example. And so, as part of that, they're um, they're starting a new app registration process. So anybody who wants to uh, have access to Twitter's API has to apply for a developer account using their new portal. Um, you're going to have to provide detailed information on how you're going to be using the API. So you're providing use case questions and answers. And they're going to limit the default number of apps that you can have registered to a single developer account to 10. And uh, they're rate, doing rate limits for their post endpoints and, and many other things that are probably good for the platform. But I think they're having to take a very draconian take because of just how bad the um, you know spams and fake news and manipulated conversations and privacy things that everybody's dealing with post uh, Cambridge Analytica with Facebook and uh, general data protection regulations GDPR stuff it's like the whole sort of online world is like really focused on making sure that everything's on the up and up but I mean well, it still doesn't make it better for people who've you know built their businesses on Twitter APIs or people who still continue to have that which is a sad reality true but this is why we can't have nice things you know because because people out there are, are jerks and take advantage of things. I, I'm surprised actually that I mean Facebook's been doing that for a while where they, you have to register an app before you can use it using their platform. Yeah, you have to um, actually send them Apple a, does. A, a simulator build of, of your app. At least you used to with Facebook. For Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since like 2015, right. I remember yep. when they changed because we were using the um, post or uh, yeah post and update to Facebook sort of thing, and the, you had to show them like how you were using it, and you had to make sure you weren't pre populating the text and all these other sort of like anti-spam sort of things that they were dealing with. Yep. Right, right. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's good for them. It's too bad. I mean, yeah. I'm, again, if you have a legitimate app, it's not that big a deal to, to in my opinion, to uh, go ahead and just register. Yeah. Right? So. You know, and, and you know, the, the Twitter world right now can be a pretty nasty place, right? There's lots of lots of stuff going on out there. So it's, it, it, I think it's actually a good thing for them to start trying to control 
handle things a little better. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Twitter stock is way up from where it was. Remember, it was losing money for a while there. Yeah. Yeah. I bought stock early. Oops. I bought stock early in the day, and uh, let's see, it's up to uh, forty-four dollars. I think that's Canadian. So it's been it's been rising up. So if you, if you had it early and you held on to it, you've got some money in your pocket. All right. Um. So, honey, you got something here about beer and water? Yeah. So. Oh right. Th- this is um. If you recall, Apple Business Chat was something that Apple had talked about. Like, hey, you can, your business can integrate right, yeah. sort of seamlessly with uh, iMessage to you know handle various things. And in my opinion, and I really wish we had this at Safeco in uh, Safeco Field, that is in Seattle, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies at Citizens Bank Park are offering a really nice way for you if you're in certain sections to get uh, beer or water delivered right to your seats. You don't have to get up and miss right. any of the game or you know wait for you know in between any and try to run to the bathroom that nobody's going to and all those sorts of things that you try to do not miss the game. Here, as they show in their you know, 45-second-ish video, you pretty much just pull out this card from uh, your seat and it's got a little QR code. It takes you straight into the spot you want. It gives you the little iMessage UI of like, hey, what do you want to What do you want to buy? Mm-hmm. In this case, a handful of options for water and different kinds of beer. And then you can just sort of seamlessly pay with Apple Pay right there and then one fine concessionaire will bring it to you just nice like yeah. the wave of the future right this is this is what they promised us for the 21st century yeah they have that kind of thing in some of the the you know platinum color kind of seats at uh, some of our sports venues up here but yeah you have to have some ordering system or wait for the lady to come to you but yeah this is this is guys kind of nice to be able to uh, to order the the brew to you as they call it with the number two there the number two in there um to your seats sort of thing cool Good. that's an interesting use of, of that i was just wondering like maybe we could you know some come up with some way of doing that at the bank you know order some stock or make a bill payment or something. If they could run a cashier's check out to you because yeah, you're right. sitting there and trying to, you know, you just moved to a new place and you're, you have to pay the deposit and it turns out there's a security fee that they, they didn't tell you about or you're trying to put a down payment or, to, you know, put earnest money down for buying a house. Like those are issues where people have to go to their bank and be like, yo, I, I need a cashier's check. It can't be my personal. Or even just check. some cash, right? Like <laughs> some dude who runs over to you and hands you this wad of cash that would be cool yeah yeah so tim my yeah. bank has a whole bunch of stuff now that's kind of like you know apple payish type of stuff where you can you can or venmo stuff where you can transfer money to your friends or use it to pay it yeah we have that NFC. here yeah. so that's kind of the same thing you just don't need the actual cash right that's true well we have we have unlike i think one of the reasons why we haven't got the apple cash up here just yet um like you guys do or venmo or whatever we have this system called interact and you can send money to people and recently like in the in the td app they they and i think in the other banking apps as well they've introduced this thing through interact where i can register my email address and then you can send me money and it it automatically deposits into the account that i designate right so you can if you know if we were sharing a cab or whatever you could just fire the money over to me for your half of the cab and i don't have to do anything it just automatically arrives in my account it's kind of like you're doing a deposit and that's all done through the mobile apps or 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 online as as well like through the browser as well yeah same idea that's cool but i still like the idea of somebody coming you know delivering me 900 dollars in cash so i can pay to have my car fixed or something right come on work with me here yeah sure <laughs> it's like the only way this could be more futuristic is if like a drone delivered it to you instead of a person that's true yeah yeah well it's kind of like ordering amazon online and having a drone deliver it to you right you yeah. guys still get same day delivery right down there in the states some stuff not everything yeah yeah and yeah. we can get stuff within an hour again some stuff and within an hour yeah yeah, Prime now it's it's great. Uh, it's like an eight dollar fee, so I never use the one hour. I use the free two hour. Oh right, 
right, right. <laughs> Two hours for free. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Crazy. All right. Yeah, I need an air conditioner stat. Yeah, that's not getting delivered in an hour. <laughs> uh-huh. I dropped my iPhone. Oh, no. Oh, wait. Amazon. Prime now. I- iPhone, please. All right. Uh, so, how many got something? Password rules. Yeah, this is a couple different things. So, one, it is the part of the glorious return of Matt Triple T Thompson, who Woo-hoo. did uh, all sorts of good stuff for Ennis Hipster and then went dark because he was at the uh, fruit company. But now he's back out in the real world and he's putting good stuff up like um, the password rules thing. So Apple had talked about that with um, WWDC and like, hey, you can, um, you know, with this whole iCloud keychain sort of thing that you can let people sort of seamlessly create strong passwords instead of, you know, password one, two, three, four, five, or birthdays and stuff. And right. uh, depending on your, your app or your system, you might have particular rules about what that might be. And this is a really nice, pretty easy to understand blog post about the various things that you can ask for, like you know, what's required, you know, what is uh, allowed, like the minimum length, the maximum length, the maximum consecutive number of uh, characters allowed, and then the, the kinds of classes for the text, like upper and lowercase uh, digits, special characters, ASCII printable in Unicode, which I think is kind of interesting mm-hmm. um, and there's even a password rules validation tool that apple has that you can you can try out and generate passwords and then try them with your system just to make sure you know that it's actually compatible with what your authentication system is so how do i use this is this just for safari autofill or uh i believe safari adds that as well um he talks about it somewhere at the bottom yeah there or we go so specifying like the, password if you rules. have the password autofill on your on your like your ios app for a login page or something like that in your app yeah so he shows how you could do it with um, Swift for an iOS app or presumably a Mac app or on the web, you put your input type of password and then the password rules you want. Presumably that only works on Safari as you would expect. Um, and then he has a little bit of a section there on uh, using Swift to make the what is unfortunately a very stringly typed way of generating these things into something that is, you know, strongly typed and, and therefore safer than that. So it's it's pretty hmm. easy to, to read. It's not a very long article. It probably takes you like five, ten minutes to read if you're, if you're you're really looking at the code. Sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. He showed up at one of our, he spoke at one of our uh, NS North, I think the year before you came, I mean, up in Ottawa. Ottawa. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, this is me now. So, yeah. So, Carol l- left me a, an article in the Toronto Star that was published in the Toronto Star, and it's an excerpt from the Wall Street Journal talking about. Um, the trade, uh, the, the tariff um, wars or whatever you want to call it going on between the U.S. and China. And um, the concern is that uh, they set certain levels in terms of where the uh, the tariffs are set. But if there's a Trump is, is threatening to raise the tariff up to 500 billion U.S., which if he does do that, it will it will uh, grab companies like Apple and Fitbit into its sphere. So things like your iPhone and your, your Fitbit and your Apple Watch may, in fact, cost you more money in the future in the near future is actually so um just get some details here so like and, and I, he had promised to uh to um tim cook and a few other people when he had some of his summits with them that he would he wouldn't uh it wouldn't necessarily affect apple but uh, but this article here points out that um in fact it could it could push it well up into the 500 billion and affect apple's sale i think apple was 16 billion well and it could have deeper effects too you know if, if there's something like 
like what's going on with the with soybeans right now uh, mm-hmm. in retaliation for the tariffs that the U.S. has put up. Essentially, China has stopped importing soybeans from the U.S. and they were one of the biggest customers in the world. So users, oh, okay, so yeah. Essentially, the the farmers in the U.S. are really hurting right now because of this, because of the retaliatory tariffs. Mm-hmm. So if China, in response, in response to this, said, "Okay, well, we're stopping the import of iPhones. Everyone in China go buy a you know a Xiaomi or something like that." Right. And, you know, then that will hurt Apple's business a lot. Yeah, they're saying here that uh, that the iPhone could. It's going talking about going up by ten percent. You know, adding a thirty seven dollars to the the import price of three sixty eight for an iPhone ten would increase by another thirty seven dollars, which in turn would then get bumped up. And by the time it hits us, it'll uh, be a bit more expensive. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. I don't know how they're they they justify this stuff. I mean, and Trump's position initially was, you know, when he I guess when he was running for president was that you know get all these companies to bring their business back to the United. States um, and have them, you know, uh, develop this stuff here. But I mean, the reason why companies went to places like Mexico and then to China was because the cost of building things there is much more cost effective, right? And therefore, they can make, you know, have lower prices to, to us consumers and, you know, and better profitability for them. But um, all this, you know, um, bullying tactics and threat tactics are, are just going to end up costing everybody more money, right? Yeah. So, well, it's it's actually even even worse than than that. Uh, so where where the U.S. used to be the leader in electronics, you know, design and manufacturing, uh, right. it really is not anymore. It's it's been hasn't been for a long time. I mean, certainly for things like uh, chip manufacturing and test and assembly of electronics, almost none of that is done in the U.S. right now. And if you decided, if someone decided tomorrow that okay, we're going to do all that here, uh, it's it, it would take not only would it take a really long time because we don't we just don't have the expertise in terms of companies who can do that anymore. Uh, uh, it would be enormously expensive. I mean, to build some of these plants costs billions and billions of dollars, and and takes it would take you know years to ramp it all up. So we'd we'd really cripple the U.S. Uh, electronics industry if if, if we did it, it did some of that stuff. It's it, it's it's a really treacherous path to go down from an economic point. Of yeah, view. yeah, yeah. I was listening to that. There was a repeat of that. Uh, I talked about you know months and months ago about the woman who's doing the special on recycling uh, electronic goods, and she had visited the Foxconn plant and apparently it's it's like blocks and blocks and blocks long. I mean, like you can just imagine how, how long these, uh, these assembly locations are for these, yep. these uh, you know, they run like military outposts kind of thing and yeah. there just isn't the infrastructure to build something like that in, in any short order, right? And I know that Apple has, you know, brought some data storage and they've been, you know, investing in that kind of stuff and bring, bringing some of the business back here but yeah, I mean, we pay, we pay I mean, we pay, what, $1,000 now for an iPhone, um, you know, and that's one being built in China. I can just imagine what it would cost if it was built. If we had to have a you know factory built here in, in the United States or Canada or Mexico or whatever, and uh, and then um, how much more that would add to the price of the the goods, right? Electronic goods. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not good. Any thoughts on this, Jaime? I think it's something to to keep an eye on, uh, more so for probably quarterly results, because as we mentioned before, either Apple will have to pass on the cost to consumers, which I think in my mind is a little less likely, because that you know that nine ninety nine base price for the iPhone 10 is a is a nice one and making it you know a thousand thirty six is weird and, and a very difficult right. to put on a billboard number so I imagine they'll probably just eat eat that as a higher cost to them but that's going to show up on the numbers somewhere right if it doesn't show up for you as a consumer it shows up in uh, you know articles that get sent to the Macalope about how Apple's doing because 
look, their revenue is lower. It's like, well, yeah, that means it's lower by $37 per unit. Did you notice? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like I, w- I would see them going to 1099 to be to keep the, you know, the selling by nines kind of concept. But um, we had this discussion when, when the iPhone 8 came out and the iPhone 10 price was announced. Remember, we were all talking, we were all wringing our hands about how, you know, no one's going to buy the iPhone 10. They're all going to switch. They're going to buy the iPhone 8 because it's like, you know, a couple hundred dollars or $300 cheaper or something like that. And yet we were wrong about that. And people still went out and bought the iPhone 10, right? So, because um, it just it just seems to be a lot better, right? I mean, people who have that sort of money can decide they still want the premium item. Um, certainly, right, you know, I right. did. I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to make that decision. But I, you know, if this trade war type stuff continues to occur for any length of time, it does make me wonder if Apple will try to start something to have, you know, somebody else who's not on the uh, uh, on the trade war list, like let's say India, right? So Apple is building um, some iPhone models. I want to say it's like the 6S or something. Uh, they built some of them there in India because that was something that they needed to do f- to get into the Indian market because Indian government, wa- understandably so, wants to do what China did, right? It wants to build up its local industry. It doesn't want to just be right, yeah. a market that, hey, you just you know extract money out of us. They want to be able to build up their infrastructure and industry. And it would kind of make sense if you were Apple, like, well, if we can start building up this other place, you know, if maybe not now, but decades from now, we get in some other sort of trade war situation we don't want to have you know some single source that that makes it problematic to get our phones in and have predictability um that's the same reason they're trying to get uh, who is it is lg i think is an alternative to samsung for the higher quality displays right. because it, it, it really sucks having one one supplier right they want tsmc besides just samsung and so on and so forth for the uh, intel for the um as an alternative to qualcomm who they're fighting with right now right completely unrelated to trade war just uh, right. two companies disagreeing on who owes what money um um, yep. and, and, and each one is beholden to the other, and everybody's trying to you know reduce their risk. We should clarify actually. TSMC is Taiwan, not China. So, so. oh yeah, sorry, I meant that as like a like as an alternative because like I kept trying to think of parts. I mean, like Samsung makes almost everything that's premium in the iPhone, right? Yeah. The Samsung manufacturing piece. Right. And it's funny, I was researching this story earlier, just I don't mean to blow holes in your argument, but apparently Apple's not doing very well in India. I saw that article as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's different from manufacturing it, right? So they're not doing very well in terms of selling there. Right, right. Oh, yeah. You mean it's a very different market, but I'm talking more like, look, if we can at least build them there. So like, let's let's, crazy talk, right? Let's say there's like 100% tariff, you know, uh, between the United States and China. It's like, well, I guess I'm not going to be producing there. Hey, India, we need you to step up your, your manufacturing. So that way we can produce more and just bypass that, right? You know, these, these phones still need to sell in December, or sorry, September. Hmm. To see, let's let's hope our cross our fingers and hope that uh, it doesn't get crazy. Can't believe I said that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> so we were talking about uh, stock prices and earnings. Uh, yeah. This will be old news by the time the show comes out. But Facebook today on Wednesday had a pretty dismal earnings report. Their stock is down twenty percent after hours. Wow. Yeah. Now after hours doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah. That's that's people trading on a secondary market and small numbers so right. the, so they tend to fluctuate a lot but it's still uh still not good so they they were hit pretty hard by all the you know, the scandals and and, right. and yep. everything that happened in the last quarter yeah i'm just reading and i just noticed it here on my stock app the article from uh, wired about app or facebook is now finding that the cost of fixing all these things is is a lot bigger than they thought yeah well one could argue that uh one of the reasons their their numbers looked good before was that they weren't doing their full due diligence and spending as much as they should to to do that. So so they uh, their numbers were artificially high, and now they're you know they're they're paying the consequences for that. 
markets, right? So after, but you were saying after after hours trading, is that like 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 other markets, like other countries? You mean? Or, no, no, no. Or so so there there are secondary markets which are not the real stock, not real official stock markets, where where you can trade shares uh, just you know through you know through other channels than the official stock market channels, uh, and some people like to do that. Um, it's it's kind of the wild wild west because it's not it it doesn't have all the safeguards and and you know the market makers to make sure that that uh, there's you know enough supply and demand for everything like you get in the regular market uh, so there's you know in, in the regular market there's there's uh, what are called market makers who who always have shares available to buy and sell so if you want to just go in and and buy shares there's always shares available for you to buy or always shares oh I see so, right. because these market makers who are who are you know investment not not investment banks but the brokers they do this they act as market makers so there's always a market and it's always fairly liquid to, to buy and sell shares on the on the big exchanges but nothing's preventing you from you know if you have you know a, a share of Apple Tim you own it you could sell it to me right now for whatever price we decide on right if you wanted to we don't have to oh, go through a broker uh, to do that uh, so there so there are these aftermarket services who will who will you know buy and let you buy and sell stocks to people you know without without having a full uh, you know the full exchange without doing it on the main exchanges and so but because it's a much smaller number of people and it's it's not as well regulated and all this it's it's you know it's a little bit of like a you know you know wild wild west you know whatever happens happens kind of environment so so you do tend to get these very wild swings and overly exaggerated reactions to things uh, it, it's you know the the 20% drop doesn't necessarily mean anything it doesn't mean that, that Facebook will be down 20% tomorrow but it's not a good sign <laughs> it doesn't it's it it's it, it probably means that Facebook won't go up 20% tomorrow, right? Right, right. Interesting stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I guess we'll move on to our picks now that we're done with the main part, right? So mm-hmm. um, I have an interesting pick here. It was from uh, Liam Nichols on Twitter who posted this, but um, he's got a little video there on, on the, on which I'll link to on the show notes. But uh, if you record, um, if you need to record uh, video from your simulator, uh, and uh, one of the problems with recording or even doing demos um, live on the simulator or even with your phone is that people can't see where you're touching, uh, whether you're doing a single tap or whatever. But there's a default command, uh, defaults right, com.apple.iphone simulator, where you can set the uh, parameter show single touches to one. And then, so whenever you touch the simulator with your, you know, you're doing it with your mouse clearly, but it shows like a fingerprint or a finger little circle there um, to show where, what row you're tapping or what have you in your in your video. So it's kind of handy little tip there. Just like, That's a quick one, um, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one was uh, brought up by one of our coworkers at uh, the office. Uh, Pavel was talking about uh, this post by um, or this p- this uh, software in in um, GitHub by Christoph Zablowski. Um, I don't know if we talked about Lifetime Tracker before. Have we talked about that one before? Do you know, guys? know? I don't remember. No, I don't. Remember. I, don't I don't think so. I, I think I saw it somewhere before, but never actually tried it. Sure. So he he did a quick demo for us at the office uh, with our with one of our apps. Um, but basically, what it is is a, a pod or a Carthage, a package pod, or whatever you call Carthage things um, that you load into your app. And it, it's a little different than instruments for, for debugging memory leaks and things like that. Um, what it does, it creates a little, uh, in, in debug mode, it, it creates a little uh, 
sort of circle that flies over top of your UI and counts the number of leaks. And if you have you encounter a leak as you're using your app, uh, either on the simulator or on a device, um, and you tap on the little window, it will open up and show you where the leak is, and you can figure it out. So kind of cool, very simple thing. You know, again, just load up the pod lifetime tracker. Um, there's an if debug statement where you load it up either in Swift or, or in Objective-C um, and, uh, you know, import the, the uh, pro, uh, sorry, adopt the protocol lifetime, track, tra- lifetime trackable and then um, add, a, you know, one or two lines to your code in terms of what uh, which view, ca- view controller you want to uh, load it up and you choose how many leaks you want to sort of have it uh, capture. It can be one or two or three or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, you just run it and, uh, you know, away you go. Just test out your, uh, your, your app and check out your leaks as you're using it. So it's a super handy little uh, tool. I haven't used it, but I, I would caution people that these types of things tend to be very expensive from performance in a portfolio. Right, okay. So if you use it, it's probably going to slow down your app a lot or use or increase the amount of memory that your app uses a lot. Mm-hmm. Again, I haven't used this particular one, but I've used similar ones in the past and, and because it's, it's got to do a lot of work in the background to keep track of everything. So, sure, sure. So use it for debugging, but uh, make sure you don't ship with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, you mean like, <laughs> like rip it right out? Well, it's, it's got this if, if debug um, right, right. Um, and it, you know, if debug and end if um, thing to it as well, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't get loaded up unless you want it to. But like again, you, like you said, you could just test it on a, on a branch that has it in and then remove it yep. on another, on your release branch. Yeah, and if, if you have stuff that's very timing critical, then you probably don't want to have it turned on. Yeah, that. cool. All right, so how many do you have a pick? Yeah, this is from uh, David K. Every on uh, Mac Keto. I didn't know this was a thing, so it's one of those like bits of Apple history that are kind of neat. But apparently, in the early 90s, Apple was sending monthly CDs to developers, and at the beginning, they were giving them funny names that were referencing some sort of movie. Um, like Disky Business, that was volume four, like Risky Business, right? Or Lord of the Files and uh, the Code Warrior and, and all sorts of things that are like, oh, wow, that's it's pretty neat. Like it was definitely a, a different time for company, a company like Apple. Um, it would be hard to, to see them doing this same sort of thing now. But uh, they've added some fun. Like they've tried doing like the, the crusty thing, you know, the crusty character for protocol or indie programming and stuff. So uh, just more like a blast for the best. And it's kind of cool. Some of these have um, images so you can see like Night of the living disc. So somebody went through the effort of creating some artwork for these two. Northern exposure. (laughs) Spinal trap. (laughs) CD slickers. Uh, Some of these are pretty good. The postman always clicks twice. Right. Oh, they dropped the cute names in 1994. Okay, that's why I haven't seen these before. Cool stuff. Oh, and they've got, if you click on it, you can see the front and the back. Oh, look at that. Yeah, not on every one of them. Um, these are the jackets, like the, the yeah, like the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Some yeah. of them have the actual CD, too. Like, um, yeah. Night of the Living Disc has front, back, and the printed disc itself. Hmm. Oh, actually, I might be the only one that has that. Tim, there's a moose on the Northern Exposure one. Of course. Wasn't there a TV show called that or something like that? Yeah, it was Nor- Northern Exposure was a TV show. That's, that's yeah. fun. Wayne's World's got Wayne and, Wayne and uh, Garth. Other people's memory. Oh, other people's money. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? It was um, Danny DeVito and I forget who the other person was. It's like a, a husband and wife scam artist, if I remember correctly. 
Oh, maybe his own wife, his actual wife. Oh, um, uh, Pearl. Carla from um, um, Cheers? Yeah, her name's Pearl something. Oh, Rhea Perlman. Rhea Perlman, yeah, yeah. Ask the Bostonian, he'd know. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a moose. What's on the back? This is what I'm saying. There's another moose. It doesn't look very moose-like. It must be a girl moose. It's a big antler. Like an American moose, not a Canadian moose. That's true. Or a Norway moose. Norway, Norwegian yeah. moose, yes. The Norwegian moose, the dreaded Norwegian moose. All right, well, I guess that's it for the another week. So, hey, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they where would they look? Mark R at smapsoft.com. All right. And Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs. I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. Okay. And I am Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And that's a good way to get a hold of me. And so I guess until next week, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. up and, and mark's getting all prepped let me um let me share the the photo of the well i didn't share a cooked photo now that i think about it but i had uh, some of the beyond meat this week so we can oh yeah we can chat okay. about that pre-show after show oh, so you stuff. got the actual product like the actual not prepared stuff yeah 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 unfortunately i didn't see any providers that provide it cooked so yeah does it does it come um because carol and i were just i just got carol her first beyond meat burger today <laughs> um she was impressed do you uh does it come with um does it come frozen let me uh, i don't know if there's a frozen version it was like a like a normal piece of meat let me let me send you guys the picture i'll put it in the sure. sack like just like regular ground beef kind of stuff or that's kind of what it looks what? like Did let me, it? Let me go, go in the slack okay yeah i swear i so i had one the other day with like i carol doesn't like mayo so i decided to get it without mayo the other day and so just tomato lettuce and pickle and i think ketchup on the bottom and um and i got it with cheese right and i'm, I'm halfway through eating the thing and i'm like i could swear that it was actually meat and it might have been the, the cheese throwing my my uh, senses off but it's hard pressed to tell and i had one again today we had one this evening and i was hard pressed to tell whether it was uh, actual meat like you know i thought they made a mistake or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's from the that's from the um that's going to be our, our uh, show shot this week <laughs> so yeah so this is not the a Beyond visual meat medium podcast. but i'm certain we will have this on the show notes so those of you driving at home so yeah. last week we were talking about the uh, beyond meat burger that tim sure. was fortunate enough to have professionally cooked by the fine folks at uh, a&w and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately semi-professional yeah um, i don't have any similar a&w's or other restaurants and providers that uh, you know cook it for you so uh, fortunately i did have a local provider in safeway 
who had this uh, in their store. It's the Beyond, what did it say here? Beyond Meat, the Beyond Burger, plant-based burger patties. And, uh, you know, they were, it was just like, like the, the package looks really big and I really wish I'd taken a picture of it when it was opened up. But those, if you notice, uh, the combined weight is a half a pound, whereas uh, normal meat, like probably right next to it, is like a full pound of meat for that same uh, so, club yeah, price so of four ninety nine. dollars sort of thing? What's that? It's twice the price then? I guess it was uh, $4.99 versus $5 for a full pound? Yeah, that's that's more or less what I came to in in my calculation. Um, you know, it's it's pretty good. It's I think, as I mentioned on the show, I was fairly confident it wasn't going to uh, fool me in any sort of blind taste test, but it's actually really good. It's pretty close. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is uh, the fact that it, um, it tends to crust more like a regular burger than, say, like Morningstar or Veggie Burger and all these other ones. And by far the best thing is it's got that sort of fatty feel to it, like as if it has, yeah, yeah. you know, animal fat in it. And, and it doesn't, right? It's like, uh, it's not pro- it's not soy. I think it's like pea protein, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's mung beans, uh, rice, potato, um, half a pomegranate for some reason. They use beet juice, you know, give it a pink color. Mm-hmm. And what else? Uh, yeah, it's pretty much most of what they, what's in there, yeah. Yeah, I think the people who do burgers, they call it the uh, slightly innuendo-sounding mouth feel. And the, the mouth feel is, is pretty good for, for that burger. It, it, you know, I just put it on some... Yeah, and it's got that crumble texture, too, that burger has as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. It, uh, it doesn't feel like the like flat, dry, you know, morning star kind of things, which, you know, have gotten a lot better. Like they'll, they'll, they'll make some decent ones, but this, I put some cheese on it. You know, I like ketchup instead of mayonnaise myself and, um, you know, some lettuce, tomato, put on some slices of bread and it was pretty satisfying. I didn't really feel, um, hungry afterwards. And, you know, I had that with uh, a salad and some chips, potato chips. And, uh, even, you know, for the price, yeah, you're probably getting less in terms of, uh, quantity. And I don't know how to perfectly match, you know, I know what a pound of beef you know is like and how much you know you can fill up people's bellies with that i don't know the same thing for this but it's it's pretty close i think because it's a little bit more dense and it's got the probably the roughage in it being plant-based so i'd I'd say it was a a pretty good experience i don't know that i'll buy them all the time but uh it is pretty nice to to have as a as an option particularly if you're gonna go toss things you know burgers on the grill and enjoy the the nice summer sun yeah like i said my wife has been feeding me turkey burger turkey like ground beef like not ground beef but ground turkey and instead of beef and then we've had i've been eating chicken dogs for i don't know 10 years now so so this is a welcome relief for me like because you know it, it's very much like uh like a regular hamburger feels like you know in fact like you know when i i kind of equate it to the ones i've had at the nw are very like they're better they're, they're similar in texture to the actual burgers you get there which aren't necessarily the greatest you know experience either right like they're not like a like a properly barbecued where you make the you, know, you get the onion so- onion soup mix and you mix it in with the sausage and whatever make your own patties and stuff like that not similar to that but not quite as as good as that but you're right it, it, it's it's it definitely would fool you we were thinking so i've got my um my daughter-in-law is a vegetarian and then my you know jonathan and his two kids and we were carol and i were just joking about letting letting sherry in on the joke and then sort of saying hey you know we'll come over we'll cook some burgers for you and then and then sherry could go you know i think i'll try one of those today just to blow the other kids minds right <laughs> that their mother would eat some meat right yeah. and see what they think you know because because I, I think definitely if if you i defy people to take this burger and try it without knowing what it is and 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 say whether it's meat or not right i mean that's the goal the goal is to try and make meat uh without using without using animal animal material right so yeah i i think it was really convincing and um 
when I got the package and said, hey, we should make this, you know, my fiance is a, is a vegetarian as well. She was like right. really hesitant. I had to show her like, look, look, here's the ingredients and here's the website. This, this is not meat. I know they, they packaged it exactly like meat. They made it look as much as possible. And I, I showed her yeah, the picture. That, that whole, yeah. It's in the meat aisle. It's not, oh, well, actually, I didn't go check to see if there was additional product in the, um, you know, like the veggie burger, veggie burger section of, uh, of the store. But I actually think it would be a pretty smart thing for them to put it in both, right? Like if you're trying to sell it as a meat yeah, substitute yeah. of course you want to put it in the place where vegetarians expect to find their substitutes but i think it was a pretty bold and smart idea to put it in the normal meat aisle too it was right there next to the normal beef we just you want people to be like well, what's this mm. well you know so-and-so's you know spouse or significant other is is coming to the barbecue and we need some yeah let's, that way they don't have to just eat you know grilled veggies let's let's get them this and see if they'll like it i think it, it, well even even still like most hamburger they put um uh they put bread in it right to make them to make it have stand up and have texture and stuff like that and not fall apart for fiber i guess to sort of string it together and that's that's got gluten in it right so people who like this is totally gluten-free as well that's another really important point about it you know for oh i didn't even are. check that on the package but I, I think you're right it had uh, it had pieces soy free and gluten-free as i think what it said on the package yeah i don't know what to do with soy but why it has to be soy free i don't mind soy soy material myself i think there's people so, who have oh, allergies on that oh because it's like sort of yeah well i mean yeah i kind of wondered about that because the mung beans are sort of a legume based thing and some people have allergy like i have peanut allergy which is and peanuts a legume right so interesting stuff more than just me. i've had like four of them at a and w in the last two weeks so yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah i get it without I, I asked for it without mayo because they put they put um like like you know they put mayo on burgers to make them i don't know to make them more like juicier i find they just fall apart and they get really gooey that way but um they put uh they call it chubby sauce which is i guess their chicken um sauce on one on the one part of the the bun and the other but other bun they put in uncle sauce so it kind of has some sort of flavor combination with the with the ketchup and the mustard and the pickle in the bottom right so um but otherwise yeah even without the without the mayo if you just sell them hold the mayo and you know like i said a friend of mine the other day got it with just ketchup on it and they weren't they weren't impressed but then i uh, my friend darren who's who wasn't impressed with it when he tried it a uh, friend of the show darren by the way uh when he tried it with me last week he wasn't impressed but he said he spoke to two of his friends and they they just loved it so go figure i think it's an, it might be in a bit of an acquired taste too or if i guess if you're but like your girlfriend i kind of wonder like is there a psychological disadvantage for her eating this because she she can't get her head past the fact that it's not meat right i mean she seemed to she seemed to enjoy it she was just hesitant when i broke out the package and was like hey let's make some burgers tonight she's like what are you talking about we don't have any veggie <laughs> burgers like, no no i bought this thing it's fine yeah. it's not it's not meat trust me What's a new developer requirement? So, so there, uh, there was some threads going around at work that about like so some of like we don't have as developers so everything's split up right. So we have access to the developer site. We don't have access to iTunes Connect or uh, App Store Connect or whatever it's called now. Mm -hmm. But there's some change happening on the way teams are set up. Is that what this article is about? No, this is not at all related to Apple. This is related to Twitter. Oh, is it? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, because blog Twitter. But have you guys heard that there's some change coming down with the um oh yeah, yeah the team and the agent just uh, bookkeeping inside. I iTunes Connect or App Store Connect. Oh, okay. Uh, remember, there was there was this whole there were all these different categories of there's yeah. you know developer and there's like app manager and and marketing and all that. They're just reorganizing that stuff. I think it's pretty right. pretty much a non thing from our point. Are of you view. sitting close to your mic, Mark? Uh, now I am. That? <laughs> That's better. But yeah, okay. no, because yeah, because because they were talking at work about like I'm an admin, so when new developers come on board, I you know get them to make an Apple ID and then I add them to the team, then they can build and blah blah blah, right? 
right? But that's on the developer portal, right? Right, right. So is that kind of administrative? That's gonna that role is changing apparently. From what I hear, like the the um, Mac, just because like, sure. you have the team agent and then you have administrators. So what were you saying about the changing? Like changing so the they're roles? just yeah, no, they're just reorganizing the the roles. I, I haven't looked into the details, but when I did look at it, it didn't seem like it was anything interesting. No, now no maybe stoppers. for you because you have your access is split up and limited, but you yeah. know for me I'm you know an iTunes Connect admin, so I have access to everything. So right, it didn't yeah, seem to affect me at all. Yeah, I do personally, but like I said, at, at the corporation, I don't. Right, right, so, right, right. Okay, yeah, I think they're gonna. They're, I mean, the solution for us is we're just gonna change our roles in, as far as like the mm-hmm. people who were admins before are gonna get this new whatever role we need, right? Yeah, the bit about me going back to geography class. He was listening to the show, but he hadn't heard our our. That was from the previous show, not not the one we just released. But yeah, the touch bar tips is, should come in. Oh, was he yeah, being, was he being snarky about it, saying you have to go back to class? Tim needs to go back to Canadian geography uh, class, Yukon Territory, next to Alaska. Because I had said that in on the recording, actually, you know, and I fixed it in last week's recording, so this won't go on the show. But <laughs> in the recording, I said that uh, the Northwest Territories was like, right against Alaska, but it's actually the Yukon Territory. So it used to be Yukon Territory. Territory is kind of this this narrowish sort of state shaped thing, and it but the borders right on Alaska, and then the Northwest Territories was the rest of it, right up, up to Hudson's Bay and all that. And uh, that's the part. They, so they broke off the right hand side of that and called it Nunavut, and then there's a middle part called Northwest Territory still. And and why, did, why did they do that? Why did they break off the the Northwest Territories? Yeah. I think well, like I said before, there there's a couple of there's a lot of Inuit people up there, right. and they felt to honor them, and give them their own their own space, whatever. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So remember, so that's we looked at the population. It. The populations were really tiny. Well, that's why I was. That's why I was saying the, the whole thing about the zombie apocalypse is that like there's lots of room up there to you know. I mean, you got to learn how to survive in the snow and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, they're they're they want they like living up there. What can I say? <laughs> you know. And oh, it's yeah, one of these I, things I'm where not, yeah, I'm not knocking them for it. I'm just saying it's it seems kind of strange that with such a small population that you'd have to split it up into different pieces. Yeah. No. I think I think it was just it's like giving. You know, we weren't doing anything with the land. I guess it's, a, it's I guess the attitude, right? Anyway, so. Um, and, and it's interesting too. There, there's like a, there's a sort of like not the 49th parallel, but there's another parallel higher than that. Maybe it is the 49th parallel. But like for instance, when when we were working, on, no, it can't be can't be that low because I think it's a 50th parallel or something like that, or 51st. But we like Walmart and places like that won't ship. Uh, flammable um, materials that far because because they all they send all their stuff by plane right and you can't you know the stuff compressed gas and and flammable liquids and stuff like that you can't fly those right or apparently you can't fly them um, or it's dangerous too and so I remember when we used to do like a northern version of the Walmart flyer it would have a shorter list of things that, that were available up there and that's kind of like to ship up to north of north of north parts of Canada northern provinces and north parts of Ontario and that kind of stuff right so I was just always thought it was kind of weird but uh, but then I found it up they're not being able to fly up their part. Anyway, way too much Canadian history on this show, or Canadian geography. For me, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just remember the cool guys like Cabot and Champlain and, you know, the guys who kind of explored. Like, they're like your, um, oh, who are the two guys that, uh, Clark and who explored? Uh, Lewis. West, Lewis and Clark, yeah. So we had, you know, Jacques Cartier came down the St. Lawrence and kind of discovered things. And Champlain came down and dis- and there's all these places named after them as well, right? So famous ge- uh, Canadian explorer or French explorers came and explored Canada because Canada was actually French before it was before it was British, which is why we still speak French. 
right? and Montreal and Quebec. Montreal, yeah, not Montreal. Yeah, Montreal. You're right. Yeah, Mo- Mo- Quebec. Montreal, huh? something like that. Montreal. Yeah, Montreal. Yeah, there's an accent on the e as well, and it's not Mont. It's Mont. Mont. Yeah, Mont. Montreal. And then uh, and Quebec is Quebec, not Quebec as it's spelt. People still say Quebec. I hear it from time to time. People say that. <laughs> Going on vacation in September to the Grand Canyon. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you been there before? Or? I've never been there before. But um, so my sister and her family and are coming out, and they're bringing my parents, actually. So I'm going to go and, oh, yeah. go and see them. I haven't seen them in a while. Are you going to do that? Uh, I forget what they call it. It's like the Infinity Walk or something. I have no idea. What's that? It's. Uh, I'll have to find the actual name. I, I think it's on uh, like one of the reservations has it. Oh, is and, it like a clear, clear uh, like a boardwalk or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like over the Grand Canyon. So you can look straight down, like wildly coyote style, and see uh, the bottom of the canyon. Oh, that would be kind of even cool. though you're, you're kind of creepy. Let me see. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> Are you afraid of heights, Tim? Yeah, no. I, I'm afraid. I'm allergic to pain, but um, no, I, I have a I have a healthy respect for heights. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Like we have a we have a um, glass floor on the CN Tower. Um, I can stand next to it, but I cannot stand on top of the glass. Hmm. You know, and of course, my nieces and nephews and stuff they can all lie down on it and roll around and stand on the edge yeah. and kind of hang over. <laughs> well, we have this. They have the CN Tower Walk too, where you can you can actually go up. They have like a they had a like a, a metal ring around the top of the CN Tower on the main observation deck, and it was there for cleaning. So uh, they, they now put you in an orange jumpsuit with a with a helmet on, like that's going to help. And uh, they attach you to this tether, and people walk around the they call it a, a skywalk or something like that, and they walk around the outside of the CN Tower, and you know, and they get them to you know spread their legs and then hang out at the end of this tether so you're hanging out over over the you know nothing <laughs> as it were right so yeah now i'm not going there either <laughs> <laughs> uh, mark i put it in the zoom chat it's oh. skywalk at eagle point okay. mm-hmm. oh there's even a restaurant in the same area four thousand feet above oh, oh this is yeah, tim you'd be okay in this it's it's very wide yeah yeah no i've i've seen video of it I think they've upgraded it, but the version I remember seeing was like, you could just walk straight out and walk straight back. Now it looks like they've made it fancier uh, with better views and probably integrated. I'm assuming this building is probably integrated into the oh, restaurant. Oh, this isn't what I saw. No, no. You're right. No, I saw something where you walk along the edge of a, um, it's like the edge of the canyon and, you know, like, so one one side, like on your right-hand side is is the rock and then the right, left-hand side is like a balcony and then, but the, 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 the floor is clear. It says, nervous about walking on glass almost a mile above the Grand Canyon? Have no fear. The Skywalk is strong enough to bear the weight of 70 747 passenger jets. Cool. I think you'd be fine, Tim. You think so? Yeah. yeah. I'd be walking on the frosted glass part. See that there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait for the, uh, you know, don't don't go with the American tourists. Wait for the tourists from, like, East Asia to go. I'm like, all right, that's yeah. probably fine for the uh, the weight limit. Yeah. You can see the uh, CN Tower Skywalk. I posted it there for your mark. Uh, oh. In the in the chat, I can give the gift of edge walk to you. Hmm. Well, that's kind of far oh, away I see. On the, for this trip. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I was seeing something on where is it? 
do, do. But Canada was doing really good in terms of the number of tech jobs. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. We're, we're beating LinkedIn. Toronto. Who just beat the Bay Area in tech jobs? Toronto is the clickbait yeah. headline. They show where's, where's a better chart. Toronto had something like 28,000 technology jobs created in 2017. Yeah. Seattle at almost 10. New York at almost 10. D.C. at around 5 in the Bay Area. Yeah. Like a couple thou, I guess. I don't really know how they're determining some of these because those numbers seem a little out of whack. Um, just trying to make sure it's not percentage-based in any way. But that's pretty good for, for Toronto, though, like adding all those jobs. Yeah, yeah and apparently Amazon's going to be opening up a new place uh, north of Toronto, uh, just like a warehousing place, whatever. But we're still running, apparently, for that uh, fabulous... HQ2? HQ2 yeah. thing, yeah. You're right. I saw that on, on that same article on um, LinkedIn this morning. I didn't want to rub it in with you guys, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> See, what they should say is like, well, wait, hold on. Like, what's the salary for these jobs? Like, yeah. Are people well, just outsourcing you know, it, to... There actually was... A, I saw something recently. It was a cost of living versus um, salary thing. And, you know, New York and San Francisco still seem to be really expensive places to live, right? Oh, insanely expensive. Yeah. 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 yeah our, our standard of living per dollar is, is lower, for sure. Yeah. I mean, so even, you know, even with the, with the higher salaries that we get here, uh, I don't mm-hmm. think, you know, I, I don't think we... An engineer, a typical engineer here doesn't live as well as a typical engineer in another city who's making less money. Right, right. Especially housing is insane. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was reading, because Toronto's housing prices are pretty high, but I think they have a lot of dense rental market stuff. So that's how people are able to live in the city, even if the, um, even if the salaries aren't Bay Area style salaries. Is that where you read it on uh, Instagram or on um, LinkedIn, Jaime? I think I saw it through Slashdot and it was a Bloomberg article that they linked to. Is this the original source? Yeah, it says City CBRE Group. 1,900 jobs. Yeah. Oh, there's some there's some stat I just, I see and I quote sometimes that um, there's going to be like a, a whole bunch of jobs by 2020 that are going to go unfilled. Well, that that might be area. why the number here is is so low is that there's an enormous amount of demand, but the supply is pretty low. Uh, there's just not enough people to fill all these jobs. There's there's right. tons of openings. I mean, I'm it's I'm, I'm back to the point where I'm getting like one or two cold you know cold calls from recruiters like a day now. It's crazy. Oh, I see. They so Bloomberg. <laughs> The the re-analysis here makes it difficult. All right, so let me put this from the Bloomberg article. It was CBRE that did the analysis. Yeah. Okay, so there's like rankings on, on various metrics. Not very surprising to me. Bay Area, Seattle, D.C., Toronto, New York, Austin, Boston, Raleigh-Durham, Atlanta, and Denver. Uh, more surprising to me is the, the change in Ottawa. Yeah. Um, especially considering its proximity to Toronto. Uh, they show the labor cost versus how good, which is, <laughs> I'm not even sure how you, <laughs> you determine that one. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Um, rate of job growth was faster during the past two years, 2016-2017, compared to the prior two years, 2014-2015. Okay, so I see oh, a pattern kind of already. Chart. Do you see this tech, tech talent quality versus cost analysis? Yeah. This is kind of an interesting chart. It's kind of, I don't know, halfway down. Look at that. No wonder there's all these developers and they're opening up uh, you know, opportunities for in Toronto. It's dirt cheap. So you get high quality, very high quality labor, but it's like 65K. Yeah. Hmm. And look at, if you have to go all the way to the right to see Seattle in the Bay Area, <laughs> I'm going to say yeah. 
Yeah, Portland. Like, okay, so there you go. Ottawa and Montreal still in that very high range. Look at Vancouver. But 55. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it looks like it's only behind Barrier, Seattle, Austin, and Boston. So it's fifth highest in quality and it's the lowest price. Wow. So if you want to open a company, it sounds like Vancouver is the place to do it. You want to hire people. Yeah. Toronto's not too far behind. I guess the Canadian cities are probably skewed low on the labor cost because of the exchange rate. Mm, possibly. Yeah. Because if you look at all the ones that are kind of riding at the bottom of low cost, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. I'm, look, I'm down at the um, the asking price for rent and office vacancy. So mm-hmm. DC has a pretty decent chunk of vacancy at 17% office vacancy, mm-hmm. but their asking rent is top three at $39.73 per square foot, probably. Mm-hmm. So that's the sort of thing where I feel like um, the regulations can can spur people to to need to rent. Yeah, you, know, you make it less desirable to let. Because for what I what I read from this is that the taxation probably is is favorable, where it's better to just let your office sit vacant and just wait for a better deal from a renter rather than the uh, landowners feeling like they need to to rent in order to, you know rent it to somebody even at a discount in order to stop from losing money. Yep. Anyway, turning into a pumpkin here. All right. Call Already. It, call it a night. Sounds good. Yeah. Talk to you later. Right. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.